Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Welcome back to the truth about local government. Now, for most people, you won't just have one job for life. Those days are gone. You're going to have two, three, four, and you're probably at some point going to change careers. And we're seeing some really exciting um, leaders from the private sector, particularly after COVID, re-evaluating and joining the local government ranks. Today, I have an absolute expert in all things communication uh, from Liverpool City Council, Director of Communications, Camilla Magabari. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much, Matthew. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. And and again, I really do appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Um, for those listening at home, could you give us a bit of background as to your journey and how you ended up making the transition from private sector, very successful, very experienced editor for some of the largest names in TV to working for Liverpool City Council? Yeah, it doesn't sound like the, the typical career path, does it? But I have to say, um, I've loved all the roles that I've done. So after university, I became a journalist, um, started in radio, thought I would stay in radio forever, um, actually ended up moving into TV, which I adored. I think the power of the picture um, is just incredible. You know, sometimes you don't need any words at all and the image says it all and it, it crosses boundaries and cultures. And I, I loved my time in television, very proud to work at the BBC. I got an offer um, to move to ITV, an offer that I didn't think I could refuse. So I, I took the offer. Um, so not only did I program edit the BBC's 10 o'clock news, but um, I'm that very rare one who has also program edited the news at 10 on ITV. Um, Actually, moving within the television industry was was a, a big change. Actually, moving from the BBC to a commercial broadcaster felt very different. And then moving into local government feels like a, a slightly strange thing to do. But actually, it's all about um, caring about something. So, you know, when I was in news, I really cared about the programs and the stories and the individuals who were sharing their stories with us. But I've always cared about my home city and Liverpool is my home city. Um, there was an opportunity that I saw and I just thought, you know what, I want to make a difference. I hope I made a difference in journalism. Um, for me, mentoring young people and encouraging diversity and others to join the sector was a really big deal of what I did. I think I made um, some really great changes in television, the way we did things and the style and and um, how we shared images. And, and there was a lot of change that I feel that I played a part in. And actually now I'm also playing my part in how a city runs and functions. Um, and there are some real strong parallels between communications and journalism. Um, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it feels like a privilege. I was a public servant at the BBC. Not that you really sort of think about that. Um, and I'm a public servant now. And actually, public service, I think, is very satisfying. Doesn't always go to plan. Um, but the, in, the positivity and the intent is there. And when you can actually see changes that are improving people's lives, that feels like a really special role to have. 
one of the biggest barriers, not just for local government, but for all public sector organisations, is being able to communicate effectively with the community which they serve, to be able to really stress the challenges, uh, to to put the floor or open the floor up to, to new ideas, particularly around community involvement and empowering the community to, to self-deliver and look after themselves. What's been the biggest challenges since you've joined the sector in terms of communicating effectively with the people of Liverpool? I think the, the biggest barrier is local government is, feels quite complex, doesn't it? And it feels quite removed from a lot of people's lives. But if you actually think about the services that local government provide, we are intrinsic to people's everyday lives. Um, and I think that's the barrier. I think a lot of people think that local government isn't of interest to them. So the challenge that my team and I have every day is how do we make this relevant we are producing content and we're um, helping to uh, to make announcements about things that really do matter and it's our job to actually make it very relevant and to um, show locations and work with people who reflect their communities but that's the barrier and I think myself coming into local government um, my, my first role I've been in local government for exactly five years now I brought that with me, which actually I think was a positive. So I didn't know um, a great deal about the intricacies of local government. So I was one of those people who could really objectively look at, okay, this is an important message that our communities need to hear, but how do we make this relevant and where do we place this message so that they actually see it and hear it? Um, and that's that's the challenge I, I get out of bed for every day, actually. It's, you know, this is really important. We know it's going to impact on a lot of people, but how do we make it interesting and how do we then turn it into something that they want to talk about um, and I've noticed that journey myself in the five years since I've been a communications director when I started it was a lot of information that we were imparting but now it's very much shifted into we are listening we want to hear from our residents we want to hear from our stakeholders and we want to engage with them um, and that's where my team and I are at now it's long gone are those days where it's it's broadcast only. We absolutely need that two-way conversation. And that's a skill and it's a challenge. And I think that is the biggest barrier that we have actually as communicators in local government. And it's not just externally as well. I mean, Liverpool is one of the council is one of the largest employers in the Liverpool area. You know, how do you communicate a message to just so such a larger population of employees across such a, a multitude of sect of service functions of different sectors? Um is it the same for internal communications? It's for external or, you know, is it the same kind of getting people interested and getting to know what people think? How do you approach that um, that task? You're absolutely right. So local government in Liverpool is a, is a big employer. So we have just under 5,000 people who work for Liverpool City Council. Um, the other big employer in the area is the NHS. So, so more public servants in the mix there. Um, the one size fits all approach just simply does not work. Um, so look, there are occasions when there are very big corporate announcements or policy changes that we do need to make sure that as many of our colleagues hear about and see as possible, but we find different ways of telling that. So we have a lot of our colleagues who don't actually go into an office building or sit at a desk with the computer. So we need to find different ways to convey that information to them. Sometimes the um, message or the story, the narrative that we want to share with colleagues is of greater relevance to one department than another. So again, we'll be much more bespoke and we'll define the audience that needs to hear it. And then there's all those considerations, Matthew, about what's the best way of delivering that. You know, is it 
digitally, you know, via email or the internet or a social media platform? Or is it face to face? Is it, you know, that old fashioned kind of gathering together um, and sharing an announcement? Um, and we actually find that, you know, the most effective meetings are those where people can respond and they feel part of that discussion, that narrative, that announcement. Um, so we do rely on our middle managers a lot to make sure that some of the really important messages get through. Um, so my internal comms colleagues and I, you know, will often work very hard at making sure that the really important messages are given out several times through different mechanisms just to make sure that we reach as many people as possible. And in terms of that, then, I mean, in terms of that kind of dissemination I mean, I mean, I, it's something that from a purely just a, a curiosity perspective, I find amazing. You know, in terms of you're giving a message off from different um, different routes, what is the most effective way of communicating? Or what's the most, if you had one way that you could only communicate with your shareholders internally and externally, what is the most powerful way? The most powerful way we know of is actually turning that story into something about real people. So we're always data-led um, and we look at, what our audience are consuming. So what are our colleagues reading? What are they watching? What are they listening to? And we can absolutely see that when um, a colleague is front and center of that narrative, we get um, greater consumption and we get longer dwell time. And I think it's, you know, we can reflect ourselves in that. You know, if you're scrolling on your socials or you're looking at a newspaper, if there's somebody that reflects your area or mirrors your kind of beliefs and sentiments, you're probably more inclined to look at that than you are somebody who feels very different to you. Um, so we often find if we can humanize a narrative, then that works really, really well. Um, so part of what we do is celebrating staff and services and achievements. And we find that's a really good way of sharing good practice or new ideas, new ways of doing things. Um, and you can tell a story through, through a person in a much more compelling way than you can in an organizational structure, which feels a bit hierarchical. So um, a lot of it is, you know, looking at the data and seeing what works and what doesn't. And sometimes it's trying it one way and realizing that wasn't the most effective route and trying it another way. Um, but I think it's always empowering people. So if you're, if you're sending out a message, how do you hear what people have got to say in response? Um, and it's, it's making sure that you're giving people that empowerment to feel that they've got a stake in it and they can help shake it as well, if possible. I think it's just so important to, to stress as well to everyone listening at home of just how much of a journey Liverpool's been on in a really positive way. Um, you know, the commissioners have been in, but during that time, some councils would almost take, not, not, not be on the back foot, but you know, you won Eurovision. You know, there has been some amazing achievements. The the organisation, there seems to be a really positive energy and a momentum around the improvements that the, the council has been seeing. Um, so I think it's just, it's so amazing that, you know, the way in which you're approaching communication. And I think that has a huge part to play with the success that you're having is the fact that you are communicating so effectively with internal and external stakeholders. Where does your passion come from, Camilla, for this? Because you're so passionate about communication and there's only so much we can cover on air, but off air we've spoken and there's a real passion you have for Liverpool and you talk about it being your home place, but where does that drive come from for data-orientated communication and kind of making sure you're doing the best for Liverpool? I think when you love the place and you feel that you've got a stake in, in the place or the organisation, it makes it a lot easier. You know, I'm really passionate about our city. I think Liverpool is one of those cities that people have um, an idea of, you know, a conception of. And, and some of it's not always positive. And I've always been one of those people that, you know, wants to really 
revealed the kind of the real Liverpool. We, you know, we are a city that's still got problems like many other core cities and other cities around the world, but we're a city with real heart and real passion. Um, and, you know, it's my home and it really matters to me. And I think, you know, if you're passionate about something, hopefully that passion and that energy spills over into others. And, you know, I'm really lucky to have a team of communicators who are equally passionate about our place. And we're really honest, actually. You know, it's been a really difficult journey that Liverpool's had. Um, I've been in the organisation for exactly five years. And as you say, there's been some really dark times. You know, obviously, we we faced the COVID pandemic like everybody else did. But Liverpool was at the forefront of a lot of pioneering initiatives. Um, and that involved a lot of bravery um, and a lot of kind of creative risk, actually. We're going to do things differently because we really want to open up our city again and we want to support people's livelihoods and we want people to be healthy and safe. And and that was a really, the team coming together, working really, really fast in a very difficult environment. And as you said, we've had government commissioners um, in the organisation. So we, we are under government intervention, which means that we have civil servants who are with us in the organization who are looking at what we do and are reporting back to government. Um, and that's, you know, that's a very difficult environment to be in. But I think we are through the very difficult days. We're very honest about some of the challenges and some of the things that we need to change and need to improve. But we're also very proud of some of the things that we do well. Um, and, you know, we put ourselves forward for Eurovision. I think it would have been very odd if Liverpool hadn't done so, you know, with a home of, of pop music let's be honest we've had more number ones than any other city on this globe um you know we're a city where culture matters you know humor and theater and music and of course sport all of that is really integral to who we are as a city and we wanted to put our hat into the ring it felt like there was a lot at stake you know we wanted to be that city that was supporting ukraine um liverpool is twinned with odessa and not many people knew that actually and we've been twinned with them for a very very long time Um, And actually, it was our bit of, you know, we want to help people. We want to help people who are having a really, really difficult time. Um, But you're right. So, you know, we're we're putting on a global event at the same time having our homework checked by government commissioners. And that that did feel, you know, at some points, you know, felt a little bit strange. But we do have a very good working relationship with the commissioners. We meet with them regularly. Um, I meet with the lead commissioner to talk about culture change. Um, and he's he's very um, involved in what we're saying internally to staff and how um, sentiment amongst colleagues is changing and changing for the better. So it, it feels like we're, we're having a positive um, time of it at the moment. There's a lot of councils who are, you know, either in intervention or facing intervention. And there's a lot of councils who were in grave financial difficulty. And, you know, we're not saying that um, the coffers are full, but we are not in a perilous financial situation in Liverpool either. And, you know, that is down to a lot of hard work from people who are equally passionate. Um, So there's a lot happening, which gives me lots of things to talk about, um, which is why, you know, every day it's it's that terrible cliche, isn't it? We never know what today is going to bring. But it's absolutely that. Um, We've had our first share of really difficult stories. Um, We had a a terror attack at the women's hospital um, a few months ago. That was a very difficult time for us all to to work through. Um, And we've had some really, really heartbreaking moments where people's lives have been taken through violence. Um, And these are all events. I think people sometimes, you know, don't really understand how councils work with stakeholders. So when, you know, really awful incidents like that happen, I will work very closely with the police and the police communications teams and other communication teams around the city and the region. We come together as a unit um, to support each other. But 
so to make sure that you know the one version of the truth is out there that we're all saying the same thing at the same time um, and I'm really proud of the network we've got here actually in our city um, and that's one of the things that the commissioners have remarked upon we do have very very strong networks within the city which is a real positive actually it is and also I think it's going back to what you said there about culture you know with a lot of the kind of financial constraints that are going on across the country sometimes I can I'm concerned that culture will be lost from certain areas because it is seen maybe as something that is expendable but what I love about Liverpool is the fact that you've built culture it's the core of what you do and everything else is built around that and I think that's why there is such a momentum to what you're doing but also why it's future-proof because there's a real Everyone's very clear within your organisation, within Liverpool, what Liverpool stands for. Um, obviously, there's things that everybody's looking to you know, improve in every city in, in the country, in the, in the world. But, you know, fundamentally, that identity is the North Star of, of actions and behaviours. Um, and it's wonderful to to understand the network that you've developed. I am keen just to um, to actually talk to you as, as someone who has made the transition from the private sector to the, uh, the local government sector. To those that are listening that don't work for councils, that maybe have never considered a career in local government, would you recommend it? I would recommend it. Um, I have a very different tempo to my life than I did when I was in television. Um, so in television, I would work towards a programme. Um, so I would have a very long day with others. Um, but our goal was to make sure that programme went out um, with all, all the elements that we needed. Local government doesn't stop, actually. And um, I think one of the difficulties with local government, especially if you're in the comms team or, or running the comms division, is that you could end up working 24 hours a day because the city is uh, alive and awake and things are happening during the day and also during the night. So I think one of the big changes I've had is... Um, finding those cut-off moments. So when I was in television, you would automatically know when you were handing the baton on to somebody else. You know, another team would be working at the, the front of the coalface to make sure their programme or, or their product was going to air. But here, actually, things can happen on a Saturday night, a Sunday afternoon, a Friday afternoon. So there is that difficulty in, in kind of stopping and making sure that other people are on call. That's something that I think, you know, I've, I've learned. You know, you, you can't be on duty 24 hours a day you know five seven five or seven days a week just simply not possible not possible um so for me i think time management is very different actually um i think working with politicians is also something that you know i didn't do when i was a journalist i would interview or hear from from politicians but actually being working with them but in an apolitical way and um, being there to advise and support but not be the decision makers that's something also um, that I think takes skills and, and takes experience but it's it's a great challenge I think getting um, a real understanding of how local democracy works again is something that you know was new to me understanding the cycle of meetings and how decisions are taken when call-ins happen when motions have to be announced and, and cut off points you know there is almost a separate language that kind of govern governs the democracy in, in local government which is something that you you need to understand and you need to um, be able to follow um, those are some of the big changes and big differences I think also it's thinking about the council itself so if you think about how many services the council provides it's almost like there are lots of different businesses with different outcomes under one roof and as a communicator my role is to share as much of that information and activity 
variety as possible. So sort of choosing and deciding which stories get prominence and which don't is also something that you, you need to think about. Um, sometimes the news agenda, if I think back to my radio and television days, sometimes the news agenda is, is fairly obvious. Um, but actually, when you're in local government, you have to make decisions about um, the finite resource that you've got and also the impact that you intend to have. Um, and so there's a lot of that behind the scenes of working out when is the right time to talk about something and when you want to spend more time talking about something than something else. So there are some changes, um, but fundamentally it's about communication and it's about understanding what it is you're trying to tell your audience and making sure you're telling it in the most effective way. Um, the rise of social media also is something that I think is really fascinating. So when I was in television, um, we obviously looked at online narratives and stories, but my focus was always on television. Um, and actually now my focus is always on social media um, and less on the kind of the big video production numbers. Um, and that has very much has been a real a real shift over the last five years, actually, about that. And also the level of engagement we're getting with residents. It feels very different now. Um, and that's another difficulty because you can always be on, you know, if you're responding to comments and criticisms or, or thoughts on social media, it's understanding when, it, when it's appropriate to respond, when it's not appropriate. Um, when do you want to actually put out some FAQs rather than individual responses? Because you can start to see that there's a, a groundswell of thought around a particular area. So we do have to be quite agile. Um, whereas in television, you have to move fast and you have to make a lot of decisions. But actually, once your running order's set, um, there's got to be something very significant to happen for that running order to change. Whereas local government, things can change the whole time. Do you think, I mean, I know it's the last question, but the final bit on what you just said there, do you think communication will adapt or change in the next few years? I think it will. I think um, the way my team and I are communicating today will probably be very, very different to how we communicate on the 10th of January in 2025. I mean, I think the world is changing that fast. Um, a colleague of mine was giving me some data um, for last year and actually looking at um, what was Twitter two years ago and what what became X last year. And, you know, we're starting to see um, a very different kind of relationship with our followers on, on X than we had a couple of years ago. So that in itself has changed. TikTok has become pretty mainstream. So when we launched our TikTok feed in 2019, it was very much for young people, people who were under 20, probably under 15. That's not the case now. Um, so yeah, I think things will change. Um, but how it's going to change, who knows? Um, and I think also as an organization internally, how we connect in with each other, I think will change as well. Um, I think, you know, we're all seeing a lot of emails and um, the impact of emails sometimes can be tricky if you're receiving a lot. Um, so I think it's about thinking around how we use 365, you know, probably a little bit more effectively than we do. And, you know, the rise of virtuals. I don't think many of us had done virtual meetings um, before COVID. And now we would find a day strange if it didn't include one virtual meeting. So, yeah, I think I'm you know, intrigued as to the way things will go. Um, and also, we're probably going to see AI a lot more embedded in the way we work. Um, I think AI felt a little bit threatening, you know, a good two, three years ago. And it was a very brave communicators who started thinking and, and using that and I think that's probably elements of it will probably become quite mainstream as 24 unfolds it's wonderful and Camilla it's just so great to have uh 
the expertise that you bring to the forefront to discuss these key topics. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's great to talk to you, Matthew. Today, we've had on the Truth by Local Government Director of Communications, Camilla Magabari from Liverpool City Council, discussing communications, her journey to local government, and it's been frankly wonderful. If you've enjoyed it, please give it a like, give it a share, and please tune back in later in the week for some more interesting episodes. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast, or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it, and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government. 